Some days it's just good to hear the little theme song. You know what I mean? It just just kind of perks you up. I used to have a radio show on an AM radio station. We had a th- Bruce Springsteen theme song for the like the beginning intro like this. And I was in a grocery store one time and that song came on and I literally started saying, AM 950, the progressive talk of Minnesota, like in my head. Were you able to license a Bruce Springsteen song for your radio no, show? No, but you, there's a thing about radio where there's like some number of seconds that you yeah. can play that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Because it's radio versus, like, I don't think yeah. we could do it here as a podcast. They would be honest within, you know, a oh, yeah. seconds. The AI would be. It'd be hey, like two the, or three over the radio. That's right. Anything out of business. And is anything happening today for us to talk about? Well, there's a thing or two because today is April 4th. So happy April 4th. Um, also, Rob, uh, all the all the empathy and sympathy and good care to you good people in Arkansas. Uh, multiple you. tornadoes and and severe weather events. Uh, so yeah, yep. huge, and, huge uh, day. Far from where I live, uh, I'm in the northwest corner of Arkansas, and the tornado hit in Little Rock. But um, many, many friends um, affected by it, and uh, yeah, and it sounds like we, you know, might be in for more today, later today, and into the evening. So it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I know that weather is not climate, but climate affects weather and it certainly feels like something's happening something's happening and what it is it ain't exactly clear no um as we'll probably get to there's more people with a gun over there now because there's now 50 or 26 states that allow you just to carry them around uh ridiculous but sometimes i wonder you know like are are natural disasters more worrisome or human-made disasters uh like Donald Trump is that uh is he somehow just make it worse when it's you know people doing it to ourselves I, I I happen to think but today is also the day Donald Trump will be formally arrested as a criminal arrested <laughs> you can say a lot of things you can call it indictment day you can say there's an arraignment hearing it is the it is those it's also the day when he will be told Mr. Trump, you are under arrest. Yeah. You have Just the right to think <laughs> in for a moment. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. <laughs> that you're about to walk into. It is. I mean, look, you, and, and people get arrested a lot. There's a lot of arrests mm-hmm. that happen. It, it, it goes on. It's for some people, it really changes their lives. For other people, they're, you know, it, it doesn't really have a, have a huge impact. Um, but it's a day in which someone who sees himself as an important player in world affairs to be brought to a state courthouse and have a local district attorney say, I'm going to take control of your custody for the next 30 minutes, 50 minutes, whatever, however long the arraignment takes before then he's released on his own recognizance. And, and able to go for that other period of time, he is not free to get up and move about the cabin. He is not free to do what he wants. He cannot say anything he wants. He is in a situation where a legal uh, police entity is saying to him, you will do what we order you to do. And I'll tell you, as somebody who has been arrested, I've been arrested. All, the only times I've been arrested are for 
formally arrested were for things that I chose to be arrested for. But when you're put in police custody, there is a solemn seriousness to that that is uh, unshakable. And this guy knows, as uh, I think as, as we assume, this isn't going to be the last time in the next, you know, 12 months that a court-appointed uh, law enforcement officer says to him, you are under arrest. It, it, is, it is such a day, it's just really, really hard to wrap yeah. your head around. Yeah. Yeah, I there there's a number of really kind of interesting factors going on. Um one is, you know, the question of whether or not um cameras will be allowed in the courtroom. Um uh, can you imagine it it sounds like the judge is not going to allow cameras in the courtroom, which I'm personally I think I'm glad about. I mean, yeah. I it, like the circus that this would be would just yeah. be all-consuming and overwhelming. For sure. I mean, we would be, Doug, we would be live streaming the Trump trial and, you know, <laughs> commenting on, like, it would Without consume, question. it would consume our lives. So I'm, I'm glad about that because I don't want my life to be consumed by this. Uh, the, the indictment uh, has been under seal. And so we don't know what Donald Trump has been indicted for. Um, we assume that it has to do with this Stormy Daniels payment. And um, we assume that there is some kind of campaign finance violation as a result. Um, CNN was reporting that there was like 34 counts uh, on the, on the indictment, which just sounded astronomical to me made me think that if that's accurate, um, it's got to be something beyond um, beyond the Stormy Daniels situation. Because uh, I, I don't see how Stor the Stormy Daniels situation leads to 34 counts of... Well, there you know, were... Here's... here's I, I heard a way that it happens. Yeah, yeah. There, were th there were 13 checks that were written to cover all these expenses. Oh. Each one of those checks was a part of this of this crime. And so each time one of those was entered into a business ledger and then pushed forward as business fraud, that becomes another count. So that's one of the ways that people have said you could, you can rack up a lot of counts. That gets you to 26. It. He didn't do it just once. He did it a bunch of times. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's one way. Or the other is that they've, they've, uh, put these together into a picture where the collective number of activities, um, moves to another crime altogether. And yeah. that's what's going to be interesting is if it's a federal crime. I don't know if you guys feel this way, but, but you know, back in, back when the uh, Gulf War started and it was predicated on the idea that there were weapons in Iraq that we needed to do something about, right? That was very precarious stuff. But I, I remember watching the news and thinking, there sure better be weapons there, Right. And then remember when the forces went in and it was like, now they're going to find him. And the news was reporting and day after day, it was, we didn't find any weapons. We didn't, it turns out Iraq was lying about it. It turns out that partners were lying about it. It turns out the CIA yeah. was wrong. Mm -hmm. Like to, to have to deal with the recognition that all the weight and force of the federal government could get that wrong has been a real pause for me in a lot of, like that was an adulting moment when it comes to the, uh, mm. the way our government acts. I have been saying to myself, 
There's been a grand jury that's been in place on this. There have been multiple witnesses. There's, there's an entire formal apparatus. This is not one DA simply saying, yeah. I think let's, let's go arrest the guy, bring him in, see if we can shake the tree a little and get something out of him, right? This is not like a street cop just you know, shaking up a, a petty criminal on the street. They have gone through exhaustive and serious consideration with lawyers and judges and all manner of things. Says to me, there's no way they're going to come in with just like, he lied on a business form. He said something that wasn't true. He misallocated expenses. If that's what it turns out to be though, and yeah. technically that is a crime, that is going to uh, not, yeah. that that is not going to land well. So to your point, yeah. there better be something in here that's not just 34 charges of the same thing on a wash, rinse, repeat. Because if that if that happens, man, not only is it going to be a problem for this case, it's going to shake the confidence of the Georgia case. It's going to shake people's yeah. confidence in the two federal indictments that are likely to come, one about January 6th and one about stealing documents and, and performing a cover-up. It's a... There's a lot. There's a lot riding on this. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, Doug, do you feel like this has broken the the glass ceiling, so to speak, in terms of indictment? That now maybe Georgia happens more quickly, or or you know one of one or both of those federal indictments happen more quickly. Do you have that sense that okay, now you know we've <laughs> yeah, like we've gotten into the cold water. We might as well yeah. like, you know, do the full body immersion at this point. Or, <laughs> I, do, I, or, or is that not, is it not uh, factor in, in legal proceedings? I, it seems like there's a, there's a calendar in Georgia that where an indictment's going to come out in May. It, I mean, there's been some news stories about that sort of how this is all laying out because there's so many formalities that go into it. So there's been conversation that that's on its way. I do think what it changes though, is that the next, whoever has to move forward on the next indictment, the grand jury will not have hanging over it. The yeah. additional question of, can we really do this? I mean, is this not, not only legally, can we do it, but are we going to be the ones who are going to yeah. make this, make this determination? So I, I don't know, maybe, I, I guess I'm still starry eyed enough about certain parts of our judicial system when they need to be under deep scrutiny that they're not, they're, they're not going to be putting out indictments that they're not very confident yes. in the, in the efficacy yes. of, of it. Yes. So I, I, I don't know. And that's I, yeah. why I'm not worried. Like some people are where they're like, Hey, this just opened Pandora's box now in, no. you know, pick a place where there's a Trump uh, uh, DA. He's just going to bring charges against Joe Biden. Like, look, you could say you want to do that, but you need to have a crime. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's I know that people are saying, no, they're just, just pick the man and then find the crime. Well, look, you could pick the three of us and you could pick, you know, Trisha and Paul and JC and the people that are going to be on this live stream. Go, go, come on, you know, district attorney of uh, Man Manhattan or federal prosecutor. I mean, not interested. I don't like this game. I don't like this game. Figure out a way to, to come on, figure out a way to indict me. Figure out a way like, to I indict me. I I, like look, it's, but it's that is the funny argument of like, 
well, if they can indict Trump on his crimes, they're coming for your crimes next. It's like, well, yeah, if you commit crimes, (laughs) they'll indict you. Yes, yes. You would think this is what the law and order president would be is like, hey, I'm making sure that we are, you know, we're really uh, wrapping up the criminals here because they got me. But that's such a ridiculous argument that it's just going to mean that now district attorneys all over are going to be prosecuted. They're not. First of all, district attorneys don't just willy-nilly do this. And the process it takes to put a grand jury in place and get a judge to sign off and get an indictment and get a court, you can't just do that stuff to people uh, without without any – now, I'm not saying there's not – times where the prosecutors and justice system pressure people and and lie and make up stuff and wrongly convict yes. people. I'm not saying that. But there's yeah. normally a crime there yeah. before they do it. You're not just... Yeah. And even if you're not guilty of that crime or you were falsely accused of the crime, you need to have a crime. So this thing that people are like, this is just a political prosecution turned persecution. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's something yeah. we shouldn't be shouldn't be fearing. Yeah, something I've been thinking about is, you know, this the argument that this is just a political thing and, you know, is so horrible. I mean, ultimately, you have to answer the question, like, is it possible for a president or a presidential candidate to break the law? And if the answer to that is yes, then the question becomes, okay, what do you do about that? It needs to be investigated. Okay. And what if the investigation shows that there's sufficient evidence to co- go to a trial? Yeah. The only way out of this is to say a president yeah. can't break the law, which is what Richard Nixon tried to do, right? Um, uh, and, and Trump has toyed with that defense as well, mm-hmm. that a president can't break the law. Um it's a ridiculous argument. I mean, the people making that kind of argument are at the same time the people calling for investigations of Joe Biden. So it's just like, mm-hmm. come on, you know, like it's so if mm-hmm. like just philosophically and logically, if the if the president can break the law, mm-hmm. then there has to be like the normal legal system and legal process has to play out. And that is exactly what's happening here and now. Like it is, it, you know, if he didn't do it and, you know, we'll give him the presumption of innocence, wink, wink, nod, nod. Yeah, come on. Um, we, we, <laughs> we probably, the three of us probably wouldn't be on the jury because I'm not sure we could be of a, objective on this because uh, <laughs> I think we've, I don't know. Wouldn't it be fun to be on this jury? Um, You know, I like, like I think he's guilty. I think he's, I think he's guilty of all of these things. But legally speaking, he has the presumption of innocence, and he has the right to a, you know, a trial, and you know, a a jury of his peers. (laughs) We should think about like who the jury of his peers should be. (laughs) Well. I mean, in this case, they could have Michael Flynn. Like, they could have he's got Michael Cohen. Mike, they could Mike have Lindell, Steve uh, Bannon. They could have the other. They could have uh, Weisselberg. They could have the other cadre of people around Donald Trump mm-hmm. who have been also placed under arrest, either pled guilty or convicted, and are going to yeah. going to or have gone to jail. 
again, the number of, of, of cut to scenes of people from his world around this particular issue and others that have gone to jail, yeah. it, it is a, it's, it's more like a gang than yeah. it is anything else. Yeah. It's like yeah. unorganized crime with these people <laughs> and it's defrauding and it's cover, it's the same behavior over and over. But I, look, look, I do want to say this though. I know we have this thing about um, a statement that everyone is equal under the law, right? Yes. Okay. So that's true. That's an and, aspiration. That's not a reality. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and legal. And, I, and I'm not even talking about how discretion is used by prosecutors, right? We can get to right. that for sure, right? Because that's always a thing. And that's what people are yep. talking about here. But just legally, there's a category of people. They're called, you know, international diplomats who actually are not under U.S. law. And we've seen stories of them. They've come into the United States. They've done all kinds of things. In New York, a bunch of them beat a guy up on the street. Yeah, was it the like ambassador from Turkey or something? Right. And his, little, his gang, like... yeah, his gang of uh, of security guards. Beat <laughs> I, I don't know this story. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> that was a couple a years ago his, now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was, diplomatic like, community for, for, for the UN <laughs> thing, and they're like they just put him on an airplane and just flew him out because we have an agreement that certain people have diplomatic immunity and they're not under the laws of the United States. We also have a pardon process where a president or a governor in certain conditions can issue a pardon even before someone's been convicted and they're just set free. They're, the, the due process is cut short because a position, president or governor, can grant that. Mm -hmm. There are people making an argument that a president should be considered someone more like a diplomatic immunity case or someone that just has a pardon. Like, truly, they're making this argument. Once you've become the president, it needs to be gloves off. That's that. Because we can't have the system we're, we're too political. You can't have the system where it's a fair deal and all this. So that's an argument that we should try to have because this is essentially the argument that these people are making, Rob, that you're getting at. And it's mm -hmm. not just that they're being hypocritical. They're saying it's so political, there's no way we can have a fair case. So we should talk about that as a country and say, no, no, no. As it turns out, yeah. while you're president, maybe you can't be indicted because you've got other things to do and we're going to have a workaround for 48 months or for yep. 96 months. But after that, that's just a fundamental question we should ask and not act like, well, we don't have a category of people that aren't able to be prosecuted. We do. Yeah. We yeah. for sure do have those categories. Yes. Yeah. The question and is, is, is somebody just because they were president, one of them. Yes. And we have precedent for people very high up in the elect in the executive branch um of the federal government uh mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. facing you know the 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 consequences of the crimes they've committed whether yeah. it's Aaron Burr or you know Spiro <laughs> Agnew you know deep, like deep cut yep well cut. yeah but you you, you think yeah. back that like if the founding fathers wanted to have some kind of you know, build some kind of executive immunity into the system, you know, certainly the Aaron Burr situation might have given them like the opportunity to do that. 
Like it would have been the, oh, well, maybe we have to think about this, but it didn't happen and it doesn't exist. And we've right. had, you know, people high up in the executive branch of the federal government. And frankly, we've had people, you know, who, who have served in executive branches in the state governments that have faced the consequences of the crimes they've committed. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I totally understand. I think that if we are flippant about this and we've, you know, we've joked about Trump because, sure. you know, because you have to for sanity's yeah. sake. Yeah. But and at the same time, sometimes, yeah. but uh, yeah, but at the same time, recognize this is a really big deal. Like this is a really weighty, substantial thing that is happening in our country and it should not be flippant. It should not be, you know, thrown around like the the danger of it becoming inconsequential and politicized. Mm -hmm. uh, like that that danger, it, we need to recognize that yes, that danger is real. And 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 the the response to that danger is not don't ever, you know, indict a president. Um it's that's right. No, you do it when it has to be done and you do it with a heavy heart and a sense right. of like, wow, wow. You get down, you, you get as serious as you can be as, as a legal system yeah. Yeah. in these moments, because look, they have greater consequence. And yeah. I know we want to say just everybody's all the same, but look, when, when someone right. uh, no. attacks an individual on the street, it's an assault and battery and it's terrible and horrible. And we have a level of crime that we declare for that action. If you attack a police officer, it's a different level of crime because yeah. the belief is you're not just attacking an individual, you're attacking the structures of society. If you attack a political uh, uh, person, you know, elected officer, if you attack a president, it's a different level. We don't call it a shooting when it's only, when it's a political person, we call it an assassination because we recognize that that person is an indicator of a larger system. And that's the thing that is also under attack, right? So, so we have different categories of laws. It's not so simple as every action is just applied to a law and then someone's just convicted. We do whole different things depending on the circumstance and situation yes. and intentions and all of this. Yep. So yep. if we're going to prosecute a, a, a president, we should just recognize, and a former president, that is something different, just like it would be if he was assaulted or, you know, uh, if something horrible were to happen yeah. to him. We would declare it different. So we can recognize all that and still yeah. move forward. And yeah. by God, this is what Donald Trump has done to us. And in all things, there may be a gift here that Gerald Ford, back in, I think it was 1974 or something, made a determination as president to issue a full pardon to Richard mm -hmm. Nixon under the belief that the country could not withstand the prosecution of a president. Mm -hmm. I remember that deeply. It's in our it's in our psyche. It's actually created a normative expectation for people that we can't handle this. That world's decision of from 1974 and from Gerald Ford, that just changed. Yeah. Uh, a grand yeah, and jury it, I, and a DA yeah. and others said so, it's, it's and, now different. You know, Doug, you're talking about understanding the weightiness of this, understanding that there is, you know, that this is a significant thing. 
Donald Trump recognizes that too. And he, you know, he has positioned him, himself, um, you know, the, he is positioned. This is not just any old arraignment. This is, you know, martyrdom on par with, you know, Jesus before Pontius Pilate. Yeah. So, you know, this, I, I yeah. don't know if folks are watching along live or if you're listening on the podcast, I'll read this for you. Um, this is really a remarkable uh, statement that Donald Trump allegedly made. So Secret Service have argued in favor of holding the proceedings outside of court business hours at night with minimal cameras and less risk. But Trump, a source close to his legal team, says, wants to create the type of scene he believes will galvanize his supporters. Here's the quote. It's kind of a Jesus Christ thing, he is saying. I'm absorbing all this pain from all around, from everywhere, so you don't have to, says the source. Describing the message Trump hopes to send his supporters, the source says, if they can do this to me, they can do this to you, and that's a powerful message. So there is a, there's a messianic component to this that Trump is utilizing because he recognizes that this just isn't, you know, this isn't just any old Tuesday. This is a big, big day. It's a big day. And, and look, he's right. If there's legal authority to incarcerate someone or give other penalties to someone for criminal behavior, whether yeah. it's in your business forms or other collusions that you've done, yeah, they can do it to you too. So if you're <laughs> committing fraud, <laughs> again, this is Stop what a it. law and order president Don't do the frauds. is if you commit crimes... We have a system to deal with those, yeah. and it will be applied to you. What Donald Trump sh is literally saying is, hey, we have a legal system that you have to be accountable to. <laughs> and if right. I have to be accountable to it, you know what, everybody? Hey, really bad news. You, too, might be accountable to it. How that is spun as, so, boy, we shouldn't be convicting this guy. What kind of... Right. I, I get the anarchist party. If the anarchist parties in politics we're making this argument or the libertarians overall that want there to be, you know, uh, a lack of jurisdiction <laughs> on particular issues, right? Process crimes and all the rest of it. If this is the argument that they want to be making, we don't want to have a law and order system by which people are held accountable. Then this argument, if they can do it to me, they can do it to you. And I'm going to absorb all the pain of you as if I'm sort of fulfilling the Jesus role. Turns out, Donald Trump is not fulfilling. He's not the Jesus character in this story. He's not even, you know, one of the two thieves crucified next to him. He's in, I'm sure to his great frustration, the first time that he is being told, you are under arrest and you are under our custody and we have criminal charges to convict you as a criminal is not coming from the federal government. It's coming from a local district attorney in Manhattan. The idea for Donald Trump that these people, this district attorney in Manhattan over what I did with my business forms and covering up, you think you're going to hold me accountable for that? I'll tell you, I, I'm just psychoanalyzing Donald Trump because as you've told me, Rob, he lives rent free in my head. So I've spent a lot of time mm -hmm. imagining the world of Donald Trump. I bet that has ma is making this so much worse for him 
that he's not actually battling the big forces of the federal government, the deep state. It's yeah. like I'm I'm being driven downtown where I, you know I've lived and, and walked into this place where Donald Trump has demeaned over and over calling people in that building common criminals, common scum, all the stuff he has said over his years in New York about people who are arrested and brought into that courthouse. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this is not so you, people can make the argument, you know, which order should these have gone in? Is this is this one better or worse? I, I don't think that's how the law should be applied, but whatever. I yeah. get it. It, it could create it's a It's really earlier. great, though. It, it could create it, a story. Is anyone a little sad that we're not going to end up with like an O.J. Simpson white Bronco police chase <laughs> with Trump? <laughs> I mean, maybe there's that. still time. Maybe he makes a last-minute run for it. Oh, yeah. But here's the other thing. One of the consequences of this... And this martyr complex is this is a payday for Trump. Uh, we've mm-hmm. got a story up on the screen that says Trump's fundraising halls challenge the crime doesn't pay adage. He raked in over four million in the first twenty four hours, yeah, and another million in the second twenty four yeah. hours. Yeah, it's seven million since his indictment this yeah. morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah, had the million. opportunity. He had the opportunity to be arraigned via Zoom. Well, and apparently that not, may not be true. Did you hear that no. today? They're now pushing back on that, that that no. might have been some false reporting. Mm, okay. okay. He, he wasn't given a Zoom a Zoom uh, uh, option. I, I don't know if that's going to play out or not, but. Okay. Well, it, you know, it, I, listen, Donald Trump, if we know anything about him, it's that he's someone who tries to profit off of, everything you know and so i mean this is like if he wasn't fundraising off of this that would in my mind that would be a story this is like the you know ted koppel used to say that like a plane landing safely is not a story like that's not news Mm -hmm. um you know like donald trump fundraising off of what's happening is not like this doesn't feel like news to me as as despicable as it is in some way listen we sent out a vote common good fundraiser you know mm-hmm. e- fundraising email over the fact that donald trump had been arrested other you know some other political organizations i work with sent out email fundraising emails based mm-hmm. on the fact that donald trump had been arrested this is politics. I this is a non-story to me. I don't. I don't care. Well, about I don't this. think. I don't. You know what I wish? You know what I wish? I wish Vote Coming Good had raised four million dollars off of well, Trump's that's arrest. The point. That's there you go. The story exactly. is not that they tried to raise money. The story, as some people say, is seven million dollars and thirty percent, as they're saying, may or may not be true. Thirty percent new yeah. donors. It's the response of people to the plea. Yeah, we, look, mm-hmm. we all. We all get it. It was like when I was a kid and one of the great news stories and horrific stories was the uh, the the Charles Manson cult, you know, that did those murders in California and all that horrible stuff. Yeah, and Charles yeah. Manson still is like super famous murderer. The number of people that send love letters to him and marriage proposals. Yeah. And when I was a kid, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like you're going to rally around the guy who committed these murders and is clearly a dangerous and and unwell person, but he was then became a celebrity that people loved and adored and would wear his shirt, wear his face on their shirts. 
That there's yeah okay so there's a lot of those people that are willing to send Donald Trump money right in in one way it's like seven million dollars is kind of a lot but if 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 you're the former president with the kind of reach that he has and how much money they've raised over I'm not sure four million dollars was all that much money really I mean I it's more than he got off selling his trading cards yes I'm sure it was more than that. <laughs> More than the NFTs. But yeah, let me ask you this. Do you see this as uh, a galvanizing thing for his base? You know, you've got DeSantis rallying behind him. You've got all the other contenders in the presidential race flocking back to Trump. I'm the type of person that whenever I hear analysis coming out and it's consistently the same and it's everybody's in lockstep. I feel like I want to go the opposite direction on it. And this is one of those things that everybody's in lockstep and saying, this only helps Trump. This galvanizes his base. He's going to win. He's going to be the Republican nominee. He just won re-election because he was indicted. Like that's been the consistent hand, yep. hand wringing analysis. All of that makes me want to go the other direction and say, no, like this will be the thing that breaks it, yeah, that breaks sure. the devotion of Trump. However, however, <laughs> I have thought, oh, this will be the thing that breaks it right. so many times. And I have been wrong every time. So as much as I want to say, no, like this is the thing, like this is the bridge too far. Do you think the it's- reality is, is that, now, I will say this, and I texted you all this story. This last weekend, I was at a an estate sale with my wife uh, and hanging out, and the guy in line behind us was wearing a Trump 24 hat. And so I kind of sidled up to him, and I said, uh, hey, uh, your man's getting arrested. And, uh, you know, we started a conversation, and I, you know, didn't tell him anything about my my politics. Uh, but, you know, it was just kind of peppering him with questions and, and chatting with him. And and he backtracked. He said, you know, he was his statement was, well, you know, I think this is all going to play out. You know, they're going to waste taxpayer money on it all. And then he but then he said he said, yeah, I, I'm just wearing the hat. I'm not even sure I'm going to vote. And he's wearing a Trump 24 hat like, mm-hmm. and he's and he, his full throated. Uh, support of Donald Trump was uh, certainly waning um, mm. in that moment. And um, so, I mean, that's totally anecdotal. I want to hope that that is the reality that, you know, exists across the board. But I've been wrong every single time that I have hoped for this to be the case. So I think, you know, if. I have what I hope happens, and then I have what I would bet on, and I would probably bet on this galvanizing his base. I think it's going to galvanize his base. I think, but his base is shrinking. I think mm. it's going to galvanize the hardcore, hardcore people. I agree. I have many of these individual stories that start to come together into a into an entire narrative of people that are starting to find a way to back off from Donald Trump. Now, yes, is that going to be his current opponents running for his, you know, no, uh, no. for the nomination. It's not their role. I mean, in all honesty, that's just not 
look, Asa, Asa, Hutch, Asa Hutchinson did, your former yeah. governor. And, um, you know, so some people are, and Chris Christie is doing it, and some people are picking that path, but others others aren't. But that doesn't mean that they're not secretly cheering on, boy, it would sure be great if he has to have a plea deal that includes him never holding public office again. So, yeah, let me just jump in and say, um, you know, Trump's polling has, has solidified, um, you know, through this, through this indictment. The other person, I don't know if you've seen this, the other person who has had a significant bump in polling since the indictment, do you, do you know who this is? I don't. Uh, Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney. <laughs> Interesting. Liz Cheney was polling at 5% uh, in, you know, um, presidential polling, you know, if she were to run along with the other folks that are involved. She was at 5%. Since the indictment, she's jumped to 10%, which is, you know, that sounds like, oh, that's nothing. Listen, in a race with, you know, mm-hmm. what's going to turn out to be eight or 10 people, um, you know, she's, you know, at 10%, she could become the significant anti-Trump, um, you know, alternative that Chris Christie's trying to be or Ace is trying to be or, mm-hmm. you know, Larry mm-hmm. Hogan decided mm-hmm. he wasn't going to be. Um you know, that being said, I mean, she's she hasn't announced that she's running, but super interesting, um, you know, that uh, that Liz Cheney has benefited from the indictment. Yeah, it sure of is. Yeah, it, it, look, it, 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 most, it most certainly is. And there are going to be people who are going to rally around Donald Trump on this, for sure. But truthfully, I know we've wanted to see his collapse and we're, many of us were shaken by 74 million people casting a ballot for him. Yeah, but overall, Donald Trump won on won an election on one day in 2016 under a certain set of conditions, and since then, every election that he's had implication on, he has lost. So he has lost support nonstop for six years. So yeah, it's true, but and it's not going to happen in a bolt of you know singular. Now, eighty percent of Republicans say Donald Trump is you know is, is a problem. That's just not because it's an implication on those voters, right? So we all know yes. voter behavior because we're voters too. And when you have to come to grips with you know your own behavior and what if he's now such a bad person, what does that say about you? So people need to have a way to let go of Donald Trump by which they can still be the reasonable one who made a good choice at the time and now is not a good choice. And what this all piles up to, just in behavioral change theory, in my view, is it starts to give people new rationale and new reasons to say, it's time to be done. Yeah. Yeah. We we just can't keep going. And again, this is going to be the first of what will be maybe three or even four indictments. And here's the thing. This is the indictment about his behavior before he was elected president. Then there are two charges coming from his time as president, which included interference in the election after the election in the one in Georgia and the uh, ginning up uh, violence on January 6th. Those two. Then there's a third, which is the obstruction of justice documents case in Mar-a-Lago after he was president. When you just stop and consider this is a person who has four (laughs) possible before, during, and after his presidency, at some point that gives people a permission structure to Mm -hmm. say, 
We can't be chanting lock her up in 2016 <laughs> and you can't lock him up because it's political persecution <laughs> in 2024. Yeah. There's just enough people that will say, look, it's been eight long years. Can we please just have him go away? And the rationale now can be, well, he loses elections or he's unfit or these are this is just the cost of, of all of it. The number of people that want him to be, because they're just defiant of the federal and state governments, it's, it's just a teeny, teeny number of, of yeah. people. So, yeah. yeah uh, Christian uh, is asking, what's the name of this podcast? Can't see it on my tiny phone. Uh, uh, it's called the Common Good Podcast. So we talk about issues of common good. Specifically on Tuesdays, we talk politics. Yeah. And, uh, Listen, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more politics. What is happening in... Yeah, this isn't the only story happening, and this is a really troubling story coming out of Tennessee. Uh, it started out as really beautiful and inspiring, uh, like something close to 10,000 students marched on the Capitol, you know, holding signs, chanting, singing songs, and then went into the Capitol where they are loud. They were in the balcony area uh, over the chamber peacefully, also their children. Uh, but they were disruptive. They were chanting. And a few of the Democrat lawmakers joined in. And so the Tennessee GOP has filed resolutions to expel those three Democrats. Uh, just, I, I don't understand how this is like legal, constitutional. I don't know the Tennessee totally. Constitution, obviously. Yeah. But these are elected officials. And for the GOP to just say, nope, you're out. I believe they're going to vote Thursday. Yeah. They're being charged with, um, and on the screen here is a picture of Justin Jones. Um, and there's, there's two other, two other representatives, another young representative person of color. And then, um, a woman, um, who, who serves, um, as a representative in, in Tennessee. Um, so, they are being accused of violating their oath of office in terms of the actions and of the the decorum that is required in the august body that is the Tennessee state legislature. Good you know, grief. and you know, so walking to the well and uh, of the of the uh, of the 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 floor in the state legislature um, speaking without permission uh, you know, crowding the desk of the, of either the clerk or the, I, I can't remember exactly. I read the, I read the, the, the statement. It's just really ridiculous stuff, yeah. you know, especially like, considering one of the Republicans got physical with Justin yeah. here, took his phone away from him. Wrestled his phone away from him, and then wants to claim decorum to expel these guys. It's like what? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's oh, it is truly it, a level a level of of absurdity in the sense that these and this is true in a lot of these legislatures in the Senate as well that there's this caring for the decorum of things, which is important. I'm not mm -hmm. downplaying it. But it's also a moment in which 10,000 students in Tennessee showed up both in grief and in calling for the future and not to give a little bit of space to act as if 
the most important thing for us to do right now is to separate out the activists from the representatives and be sure that everybody's following the the proper decorum and the proper rules. What seems to be out of decorum is that the legislature wants to do nothing about the threat that faces uh, children in the state of Tennessee because of gun violence. That's That seems to be you know, a lack of decorum. So, and this is also power, right? This is about young representatives. Um, yep. J- Justin Jones walked with us when we did it. Some of you who follow our stuff closely know we did a, a walk around the death penalty in in Tennessee, in Nashville, uh, a month or a couple of months ago. Justice was there walking with us. Like, he's he's a street level organizer and activist and stuff. And boy, any chance a legislature can have to take a young and I would even add in a young person of color who's now been represented and wants to bend them to their will. That yeah. absolutely has a lot to do with this, right? Yeah. If this was a bunch of taxed enough already gun rights activists that were there and there were other representatives supporting that side, I don't think these people would be coming down with the same with the same vitriol. This is mm-hmm. a control mechanism inside the system that is saying, we're going to tell you how to behave around here. And uh, I'm I'm kind of glad that they're they were pushing on on those buttons. Yeah. yeah, it's once again, you know, we have we have made this observation over and over and over and over again in Donald Trump's Republican Party that the things that they accuse others of are the very things they are guilty of. There's a you know just a there's a culture of projection that exists, and this is. Exactly. Like, this is exactly the type of thing of like, you know, we hear from everything is minor is cancel culture to, you know, like, you know, the, the response to January 6th and, you know, how people who were in, you know, representatives, you know, who were involved with that, you know, in Congress, how they should be treated versus then how, you know, these representatives in Tennessee are treated. It is, it is infuriating and troubling and, um, you know, as if Tennessee doesn't have enough to deal with, um, you know, with the, the trauma um, of, of coming to grips with a, you know, a, a, a gunman taking the lives of, of uh, multiple people in a school in Nashville now to have, you know, this additional trauma on top of that. It's um, it's really amazing stuff to kind of watch play out. Yeah, it's been amazing to see Gen Z organizing and rallying. It's another example of like people underestimate this generation. They write them off as, you know, lazy or entitled or whatever, like just playing video games all day. But this is another example of like mess around with Gen Z and find out. Like if you push them, they're going to find ways to organize better than you, uh, use technology better than you, and get their message out, and I think eventually make some change in the world. So I, I think in a lot of ways it's really inspiring. Yeah. Well, from the curmudgeon side of the street, I will say <laughs> that sounds like the same stuff people were saying back in the late, in the 60s, and there were now young uh, people being elected to office, uh, a young, youngest senator ever elected back in the 70s. Now he's the president, <laughs> 70, <laughs> 80 years old, and he's still around. There was an entire movement to stop a war and to change 
uh, uh, you know, uh, w women's uh, suffrage and to, to make it a constitutional amendment. All these big movements led by young people who had the energy and the zeal and they're going to take over government. Now those are the people that are, you know, 80 years old and they're, so I, yeah, I, look, I wish, I hope, I just, I just think it's just takes all of us and we can't, I don't think you're saying this, Dan, but I just want to add in, let's not try to load this on the back of the next generation. Right. Oh, for like, sure. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. all these years of people keeping it the status quo, like, Hey, maybe the kids are going to fix it. No, they're not, you know, because there's always been a few outliers and we've, we've always told ourselves a story, the next generation, but the next generation is going to be the ones. I mean, yeah. tr truly, like Lincoln has a whole thing about the next generation. You should read it. It's incredible. It would be great. Yeah, it read, led to, you know, to reconstruction and to, you know, so the, the, the future is not settled and guaranteed that just because people were born after a certain age or were influenced by a certain set of cultural conditions that they're going to do something about. I mean, it is shocking to me that on major issues like gun violence, we are going the wrong direction. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just, it's just stunning. I saw the statistic today that now 26 states, the majority of the states in the United States have open permitless carry laws of weapons, including Maine and New Hampshire and Vermont. Uh, like, look, there's just, so we've just gone the wrong way. We've just said uh, on, on these yeah. issues and you would have thought 40 years ago and 50 years ago in public polling, and this is where everybody is. And seemingly nobody wants this, but the majority of state legislatures have said you can literally yep. carry a handgun without telling anyone and having no training at all. And it, that's that's a movement in the wrong in the wrong direction, and on a lot of topics it's that way. And then on a lot of topics, it's moving the right way. And you ask yourself, what's the difference here? And it's it's a little hard to uh, it's a little hard to know. Hey, also big news: two big elections going on in our last five minutes. One of them in yeah. in Wisconsin today for the Supreme Court, state Supreme Court, which big is deal. a big deal. And this is the most expensive Supreme Court election in U.S. Yeah. history. Not just yeah. the state, but yeah. of all And time. for those, yeah, for those that maybe live in states that where you don't elect your Supreme Court justices, um, Wisconsin is one of those states that does, and that's you know a whole, a whole other discussion. Wisconsin Supreme Court has been uh, four three in favor of conservatives for um, a long time now. Conservative justice has re has uh, retired. And now they are going to be choosing um, his replacement, and it's an opportunity for uh, progressives uh, to, you know, win a really significant um, majority on the uh, on the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And you think about what that might do in terms of uh, gerrymandering, uh, election integrity, uh, abortion rights. Uh, trans rights, gay rights, on down the line. It's a really substantial uh, race happening right now, happening today in Wisconsin. Yeah, literally happening today. As you said, Dan, $50 million of spending, almost all on advertising. A lot of it goes to social media platforms for online ads, and a lot of it goes to television, radio, and newspaper. That is so much money. Like $13 million is the average spent on a Senate race. This is this is yeah. a nonpartisan Supreme yeah. Court justice yeah. race that would sometimes have fifty thousand dollars spent on them, and it's fifty million 
dollars because everyone knows not only the consequences are high, but this is also an opportunity to message and to spend for future elections, right? The, the truth of it is, it's not just about this election. It's about changing mm -hmm. the perspectives and ideas and understandings of people in Wisconsin to motivate them. And it's a big deal. So if you know anybody in Wisconsin that's not, hasn't voted yet, they should hop out today because uh, by 8 p.m. all the all the votes will be done coming in, and then they'll then they'll uh, and it'll probably be weeks before they know uh, the, uh, the 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 winner of this apparently because they expect it to be within one percentage point. It's just going to be that it's just going to be that close, oh. and so many consequences come from it. And then also in in Chicago, so people of Chicago are electing their mayor today, choosing between two Democrats. After the runoff, the current Democrat is a governor, as a mayor, and now uh, that person didn't move on. That person didn't move on, so now two other Democrats are up in the running. So you know, we do our politics day on Tuesday because it's uh, election day. Yep, and that's not only uh, the first uh, Tuesday of November every four years when it's for president. It's it's a lot of random Tuesdays throughout the year <laughs> that we have uh, that that we have elections, and they just seem to be you know there's five or six or seven every every year that are on non non important. Tuesdays. Yeah. Well, today is an important Tuesday for sure. Um, because it's not just election day in some of these States. It's also, uh, it's arraignment day in America and, uh, you know, happy arraignment day to those of you that celebrate to all who celebrate. Yes. It's an arresting day. <laughs> uh, you know, the fact that Donald Trump even lost the vote in the grand jury is just really something. <laughs> Couldn't even... <laughs> Tally that up as another loss. <laughs> and there could be yeah. three more of those coming. The guy just, you know, yeah. uh, just cannot win. win. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Winners win. And I, I don't know. I, don't I know like my presidents who don't get indicted. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is a great one. <laughs> Do you think he'll have to take another one of those aptitude tests if he is uh, uh, ever in, in jail? And then he has to say, like, uh, cells, toilet, sink food bars. tray <laughs> bars i think he's gonna have to say stuff like that uh, okay now we're just being now we're just uh, being <laughs> just fever dreaming now okay i'll uh hey we will uh if if something happens wild today that we need to be back back on of course you know we, we will so so if you don't if you don't already subscribe to the youtube channel great place to subscribe uh you can even notify you on your devices when you can christian this is called the common good podcast we're vote common good you can go to votecommongood.com you can always follow all of our stuff there and share around the audio and the video to other places and all the rest of it so good chatting with you all today and uh as rob tells us at 9 59 on on tuesdays i gotta go i gotta go okay see ya bye, bye. see ya bye